0: the scientists who are developing the parameters are doing it thinking they're sending someone to the moon and using the best scientific understanding to do that and the engineers who are designing things to fit those parameters they're designing it to go to the moon because that's what they think they're doing and then they send it off to a factory and that factory is building it thinking it's going to the moon so they build it to these parameters at that point just go to the moon it's easier (laughs) like why fake it you've already done all the work What's up, skeptics? Welcome to another episode of Reason to Doubt, your source for all things skeptical. I'm your host, Jordan, and with me is my co-host, Jared. How's it going, Jared?
1: It is going very well today, actually. I appreciate you asking, and yourself?
0: It's going all right. Uh, Really excited for this uh, topic because of Castrinos, who is a friend of ours, asked us to do this like a year ago and <laughs> we're finally getting around to doing it yeah,
1: it was our first request probably actually so <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we we do fulfill all requests just not instantly yeah uh, today we're going to be talking about the moon landing and whether human beings actually landed on the moon or if it was all filmed by Stanley Kubrick in a Hollywood basement or studio or yeah. whatever
1: the supposed moon
0: landing. Right, the alleged moon landing. Before we get into that, though, we have a fallacy for you today. The fallacy of the day is the red herring fallacy. Yeah,
1: so the red herring fallacy um, is known as red herring because a red herring is a smelly fish, and it distracts you from, from something else. So usually this is introduced as an irrelevant argument in response to the main argument in order to distract um, the actual point that's being addressed so parents do this all the time actually you know you've ever been in the, if you have kids or something you'll be in a toy store and they'll be like hey mommy look at this toy and then i'll be like that's a great toy how about let's go look at home and look at the toys you have at home and see how much fun those are you know that's a red herring that's a simple right. one but
0: politicians do it constantly <laughs> they would be like well don't you respect uh the lives of innocent children why haven't you supported us on on abortion rights to which they respond to that argument well if you cared about the lives of children you'd support us on gun control because look at all this now that may be a you there may be some valid points of criticism in there but you're not addressing the argument the person is making you're distracting them with this other shinier argument yeah
1: it's, it's, uh, it's really easy to fall into because a lot of times they're emotionally charged, you know, in like mm. official, you know, argumentation and stuff. And so it's very easy for your interlocutor or the person you're debating to get, or yourself for that matter, to be distracted by it and fall into that trap and like focus on that as opposed to what you were really there to talk about. So just be careful about the smelly fishes.
0: Yeah. So... The moon landing, unlike most of the topics we cover, I think this one, well, I think most of the topics we cover are more widely believed than this one. We've talked about vaccines and obviously there's a huge anti-vaccine movement going on in the world today. Completely unrelated news, COVID is still going on. Uh, that We've covered... Uh, a lot of other broadly known topics. This is a conspiracy theory that's pretty low on the ranking of all conspiracy theories. I saw right. a poll in, that was out in 2013 by a group called the Public Policy Polling Group. And they are a pollster that's rated A- minus by 538. So that's pretty decent. And they wanted to check how the belief in conspiracy theories or Unlikely things varied bipartisanship. And so they had some really interesting nuggets. For instance, 28% of people surveyed believed in a secret world government, otherwise known as the New World Order. 20% of people thought vaccines caused autism, so clearly they didn't listen to our podcast. (laughs) 4% believed that the world was controlled by shape-shifting reptilian people. So lizard people controlled the world.
1: Wow, 4%. Actually, that's crazy.
0: Now, the margin of error was 2.8%, plus or minus. And I think it's fair to say by the by the reptilian one that you're going to get some people who will say yes to anything. Maybe just they're the, trolling or yeah. whatever just because they think it's funny or Contrarians whatever. Contrarians
1: or whatever it is, yeah.
0: Right. The moon landing, 7% said they believed that it was fake, but 9% said they weren't sure. And uh, I know many people on the left are fond of pointing to like the anti-vaxxing movement and the pizza gay conspiracy and the QAnon and all that and pointing out how ridiculous conservatives are. But for this particular conspiracy, you are actually slightly more likely to believe it if you voted for Obama. And if you oh. voted for Romney, which is the person at the time of this survey. Just goes so, to show
1: you, politics don't really affect your ability to cr- think critically. So
0: It affects which conspiracies you accept, <laughs> but not whether you accept them. Yeah.
1: This data actually supports uh, the Gallup poll I saw from 1999. I think that one was 6% of Americans believed that the moon landing was fake. So,
0: so it's low. And if we kind of subtracted out the reptile people, there's probably only a few people who, like a few percent of people who genuinely believe that the moon landing was fake. So that gives us the opportunity to examine something that not many people listening, probably nobody actually listening to our podcast, believes that this is a real thing. And so we can use this as kind of a template to addressing conspiracy theories more broadly. Yeah, so...
1: Plus, it's fun to talk about space and the moon and all that kind of stuff. So,
0: yeah, so the space race was really cool. So, if you, like us, weren't alive at the time, uh, I had, I was <laughs> what, negative like 20 years old? <laughs> Not quite, but almost. So, the brief history of the space race, which was the race between US and Russia, uh, the it starts, all starts with the Cold War. During World War II, the U.S. and Russia found themselves on the same side of a conflict. We were both punching Nazis, mainly because Hitler decided it would be a great idea to invade Russia in the winter. He actually invaded in the summer, but it went to the winter. And we beat Hitler together, and we celebrated that cooperative victory by immediately pointing all our guns at each other. <laughs>
1: it's like, oh, wait, uh, you're really strong. <laughs>
0: yeah. And that kicked off the period known as the Cold War. And it didn't end until the USSR was dissolved in 1991. The exact dates are disputed by historians, but just about the end of World War II and just about when the USSR dissolved. Yeah.
1: Think about the falling of the Berlin Wall, you know, those kind of things. Um,
0: Happened all during the same time. Yeah. Wasn't a great time to be a communist in the USA.
1: Nope, it was kind of like uh, the Salem witch trials, except for communists. Like, <laughs> right?
0: Not great. And it's called the Cold War because it was never a hot war. We never obviously went to war with Russia directly, so we engaged in a lot of indirect conflicts, proxy wars, fighting through other people, a nuclear arms race, and also the space race.
1: Yeah, surprisingly enough, too, uh, the CIA and like the NSA, all those secret agencies became extremely big. And powerful during this time because they were doing a lot of covert, you know, missions to try to underthwart the Soviets and the communists. So, um,
0: and setting up Hollywood film studios.
1: Yeah, you got to
0: so. right. So the space race started when the Russians launched the first satellite that human beings ever put into space. It was called Sputnik, which is Russian for traveler, and that rode a ICBM into space in
1: 1957.
0: Yep, and. That was very concerning to the Americans because we weren't in space and by God we weren't going to cede space to those darn dirty Soviets.
1: Well, the other thing that makes it scary and is from the American standpoint is one, they have missiles that can do that, right? So these intercon, inter, intercontinental ballistic missiles. That's what it stands for. So And if they could put satellites up there, that takes their spy game up to the next level. I mean, they could have cameras up there, surveillance thing. So it's very – I mean, for them to get there first in this Cold War was a big deal.
0: So the very next year, NASA was formed in 1958 and the Americans launched their satellite. Thanks to some uh, scientists who totally were not Nazis, you guys. It's totally fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They just look like Nazis. They weren't actually. They were not. They look right? like
0: Nazis. They talk like Nazis. They come from Brazil. It's cool. So, anyways, in 1961, JFK boldly proclaimed that the U.S. would land a, moon, a man on the moon in that decade. It's interesting when he made that proclamation, we hadn't even gotten to orbit yet.
1: Yeah, we haven't so, even taken a man out of our atmosphere. Like, well, I
0: think we had we had technically gotten an astronaut into space, but had not orbited. Like, right. so
1: there's the up and a big down, difference.
0: Yeah, up and down versus sideways, which if you're not familiar with orbital mechanics, the way you launch into orbit is not by going up. If you just go up, you'll just fall right back down. What you need, you actually have to go sideways, so when you're in orbit, the reason you feel weightless is not because there's no gravity. You're right next to Earth. You still have most of Earth's gravity. It's that you're falling, and you're just falling constantly, all the way around. It's kind of like if you had a cannon and you shot it, you know, it goes and it falls further, right? If you shot a little further, it would go and it would fall and hit. Well, if you shot it far enough, it would fall, but it would miss the edge of the Earth and then just keep falling. It would just
1: perpetually fall. Right.
0: And that's what orbit is. So at that point, the Apollo Project was born, and we won the space race on July 20th, 1969, when Neil Armstrong became the first human to walk on Luna. That's our moon, if you didn't know its name. And it's really cool. If you, if somehow you've managed to go through life and not seen the video, you should definitely look at it. It makes me a little, you know, emotional. I love seeing big human scientific accomplishments. So watching him take that first step onto the moon is really, really cool.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, if you just think about where we were 40 years prior, the achievements that we made in technology just to even get out of our atmosphere, but to land a human being on the moon is mind boggling. It really is.
0: Which I think is why people almost immediately started attributing it to a conspiracy because it probably just seemed too big to have actually happened. Um, So that brings us to the present day with moon landing conspiracy theories. Now, if you look at it, there's really only two options. Either we went to the moon, and by we I mean we, the human race. Obviously, I've not been to the moon. Only twelve people have twelve people walked on the moon, and none of them are me. (laughs) Yet, yet we'll see. But either we did or we didn't. So there's two competing hypotheses, and so what we're we can't definitively prove. I can't. I can't get in a rocket ship and go to the moon and look at the stuff that's there. Right. right.
1: And by you being there, you, oh, we're here. So, we're, right. yeah.
0: well, uh, the, the claim would be that we weren't there in 1969. Right? Correct. Yeah. But I can look at the evidence we have and see is that evidence better explained by us having gone to the moon or not?
1: Right. So, we're making a prob- probabilistic argument here about which one is right. the better.
0: Yeah. Right. So,. We're going to look at two populations of evidence. You've got the first population. That's the evidence that the conspiracy theorists throw out. Things like uh, the photos not looking right or they're not being stars. We'll go through all of them. Things that they think show that the moon landing didn't happen. We're going to debunk some of the more popular ones. Now, after we do that, we will not have proven that we went to the moon. Right? We will have shown that the evidence is consistent with us having gone to the moon. But we can't prove that we did it. So then we we'll move on to the next piece, which are positive pieces of evidence that make it more likely that we've gone to the moon. So you can think or the first set is like we're taking away roadblocks, things that would show we didn't. And then we're adding in pieces that show we did. Yeah. The
1: other thing we can't prove is that we didn't go to the moon. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's all about what better explains the evidence. Right. And you need to keep in mind that you can make any hypothesis fit the evidence if you're willing to go far enough, if you're willing to invoke enough shadowy conspiracies. And make your hypothesis, your model bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You can you can explain any data away.
1: Right. And we've talked about this in the past too, like ad hoc explanations. You know, you just keep explaining these things away once new evidence is presented to you.
0: Right. So an ad hoc hypothesis or an ad hoc assumption is someone gives you a piece of evidence, so you make up an assumption to address that piece of evidence. This assumption is not attached to anything else. There's no evidence for it outside of the thing you are trying to explain and every time you do that, your assertion becomes less likely
1: right because now you've you've added more things to the
0: yeah you've yeah. you've added more pieces, and every piece every bit of complication makes your model less likely, and you have to come up with more evidence to offset that. Right. Basically, each new assumption has to pay for itself in evidence. Yeah.
1: So you have the explanatory scope, explanatory power, all
0: of these things add into your your probabilities there. So, so let's get into the fun part. Let's get into some of the claims that are made. Uh, usually, the way the story goes is that for whatever reason, the Americans didn't want to go to the moon or it's not possible. Maybe flat earthers might think it's literally not possible to go to the moon for whatever reason. We didn't go to the moon, and the movies or all the evidence you see was like shot in a Hollywood basement or in some studio out in the desert, and so it's all made up.
1: Yeah. This gets pretty popular in the 70s, too, because you have filmmakers like Stanley Kubrick, who Jordan mentioned earlier, who came out with the beautifully shot 2001 A Space Odyssey, and he made space look real, you know, like landing on another planet like just it looked real
0: so it, actually, like, it actually holds up pretty well yeah like the effects were pretty good and there,
1: there's a 4k transfer that they made for uh uhd disc if you get your hands on it and able to watch it it looks better than some 4k movies made today actually so
0: yeah did a great job i would recommend reading at least a synopsis ideally the book before you watch the movie because otherwise it's completely incomprehensible
1: <laughs> it is dense <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so So anyway
0: let's kick this off so in all the photos one point of evidence is that there's no stars they are in space right so you don't have the atmosphere blocking out the stars so normally you look up you see blue you see clouds there's none of that stopping the stars so in these pictures of the astronauts you should see this brilliant star field behind them but you don't why because they're in a hollywood basement now i don't know why they didn't just like put up a star field in this Hollywood basin? I guess I forgot.
1: Well, I mean, if you did that, so if you put up a star field, you'd have to be pretty accurate because the constellations and everything, like people would sit there and count, oh, look, Orion's a little bit off here, you right. know? So so I there is a simple explanation for this though. So um, the Apollo astronauts, when they were on the moon, they were there during daytime, right? Because The sun is shining on them. So it is daytime on the moon, just like it's daytime on the earth. But that's not necessarily to say because there's no atmosphere on the moon that there would be like uh, the blue sky blocking the stars from being seen. you think you would still see those. But you also have to remember the technology that they had at that time, right? They were using film cameras. They didn't have their iPhone 47s with HDR and night mode that you would use to like take pictures today. They had these old school Hasselblad film cameras, and they had to actually set their exposure for the image that they were taking manually, okay? Um, Now, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you could do this experiment yourself. If you take your camera outside, your smartphone outside, grab somebody, put them between you and the sun. So you have the sun facing you and then somebody in front of you. Pull up your smartphone, hold it in front of you, and then there's usually a slider on there for brightness. Take it all the way to the left and then take it all the way to the right and see what happens to the subject and the background when you do so. You'll notice that in order to get the subject to be seen with enough light to look at them, your background is going to either get really dark or so bright that you can't see your, the person in front of you. And so that's what they were doing with these film cameras in order to take a picture of somebody. And because the moon, the sun is shining on them, they had to turn the exposure so far down to make it so the, the background wouldn't be blown out. That You have you to remember,
0: the moon is highly reflective. And if you don't believe me, look outside. You can see the freaking moon. It <laughs> yeah. illuminates the Earth. That's how reflective it is, right? Yeah. And so they're taking a picture on this highly reflective surface, and they're taking pictures of astronauts. And the astronaut's suits are white and extremely reflective. And so if they – the stars are relatively faint compared to the brightness of the ground – and the other at- astronauts, the stars are extremely faint. So if the there was if the camera was taking in enough light to see the stars, then it would just be one massive blur because it would be all- a w-
1: big white picture. Yeah, yeah this is the anything. exact reason why you can't. Uh, people will say that the photo of Buzz Aldrin coming down the lunar module, because the sun is behind the lunar module and that part of the lunar module is in shadow. They're saying that that shouldn't be like that. He should be completely in black. But because what Jordan just brought up about the surface being reflected and also Neil Armstrong's suit being white there's actually a technique in photography called using fill light and what you do is you bounce reflected light back onto your subject so you can do this easily if you take somebody and go to the a window uh, or yeah, window and has some sunlight coming through, take a piece of white paper and just move it on the other side of their face and you'll see the light bounce off the white paper onto the the face, filling in those shadows. And that's exactly what happened with Buzz Aldrin's suit and that's why it's white in the photo. So uh, that one's debunked. Uh, There's a really cool video that NVIDIA did. They're a gaming company where they did a 3D... Like, they completely did a 3D model of the moon, the lunar module, down to, like, rocks in, like, every detail. And then they use their gra- their gaming technology for, you know, light sources, and they kind of turn on certain objects. So, they can turn off Neil Armstrong's suit to show what effect it would have with the light. I highly recommend check it out if you haven't. It's really cool. Yeah.
0: And, obviously, their results accord with the photos. It's substantiated. Also, Mythbusters did an episode on it as well. Yeah. So that uh, is debunked. There's a – photography is the reason why that doesn't work. Yeah. But what about video, right? What about all the videos, specifically the video of them planting the flag?
1: Right, because when they plant that flag, that thing waves, doesn't it?
0: Right. It moves around. You can see a video online. You can go to YouTube and you watch it and they're like wrestling with this flag and they get it in. The flag's moving around. And so the claim is, well, it shouldn't be like moving around and rippling – if they're in space because there's no atmosphere, right? And so the fact that it does that shows that they were actually in Hollywood basement and they usually say something like maybe one of the cooling fans on the set or something was rippling it. Yeah. So the flag itself was on an L-shaped pole. You had the normal pole and then you had a thing out there because they didn't want this flag to be like limp and just hanging down. They wanted it to be like majestically stretched out so you could see it, right? And so – when they're putting in, you can see it that they're moving because they're like moving the pole, right? Yeah. And when they let go, the flat the there's three points that are connected to the cell. The one point that isn't is moving like a pendulum, yeah. which is moving back and forth. Which is exactly what an object would do in a no atmosphere environment that had gravity, because the moon does have gravity, just not as much as Earth.
1: Right. And the astronauts are transferring their kinetic energy into that pole, which then moves up and causes
0: it, right? Exactly. And so, that flag is moving, but over time, it's going to stop moving. There's no friction with the air, but it's still pulling on the pole. There's going to be heat uh, heat that is generated as the pole flexes and bends as it's moving. And all of those forces, it's exactly the same way uh, that same flag would stop on Earth, except you just take away the air resistance. right? And otherwise, the situation would be identical except faster because there's more gravity. And so... What you see on the camera is exactly what you should see. Then later on, you can see that the flag remains motionless once they stop touching it. And this, there's a good example of this online. You can see when they took pictures, they would take a picture and then take another picture. Like it was automatically taken like a second later with some delay. So every time they took a picture, they took two. And there's a picture of Buzz Aldrin saluting the flag, and then you can see the picture afterwards. Buzz Aldrin salutes and then moves slightly. The flag doesn't move at all, perfectly motionless. So it's kind of debunks the fact that it's right, right.
1: Even now, if they were in a Hollywood basement, you would expect some sort of movement there, right?
0: Especially if there's that fan that's supposedly blowing yeah. it. <laughs> it does look kind of rippled and like rumpled, like it might be moving. Like like if you took a picture of a flag, it would be all ripply and stuff, and it kind of looks like that. Well, that's because they just packed it up and shot it to the moon they didn't dry clean it right before they pull it out you know like yeah. it's wrinkled what do you want
1: than the lunar module with this iron just okay. ironing it out <laughs> right so,
0: so that, basically the observation is exactly what we we should expect
1: now one thing i've heard though jordan is that the actual flight to get astronauts to the moon like they would have dodged from like radiation poisoning or something like that right is that a thing
0: Well, radiation poisoning is a thing, and space is radioactive, or regions of space are. Specifically, what they're talking about is the Van Allen radiation belt. So, Earth has a magnetic field around it that protects us from charged particles. And charged particles are whipping around space, and they get caught in our magnetic field. So, around Earth, there's belts of these charged particles, And they were discovered by a guy named Van Allen, James Van Allen, in 1958, so not long before we went to space, actually. There's, uh, I think, three bands, but two are are the most important ones. There's the inner and the outer. The inner band is the stronger of the two, and it contains high-energy protons. And the outer band has low-energy electrons, also known as beta particles. So these being charged particles... That's uh, ionizing radiation. Ionizing radiation is is the bad stuff. If it's non-ionizing, it's not going to hurt you unless you from intensity. Like your microwave is non-ionizing radiation. So the only way it can hurt you is like literally cooking you. Right. But you won't get radiation. Sticking you in there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right. So the claim is that they would have died from that. Um, Ionizing radiation is dangerous. It can definitely hurt you. If you get enough of it, it can kill you. But one good thing about uh, charged particles as a source of radiation is that they're very easy to shield against. And that's because they are charged particles. So the proton has a positive charge, the electron has a negative charge. But as soon as that electron is captured by an atom, it's not a problem anymore. It's not a free-floating electron. No problem. And likewise, that proton floating around. As soon as it captures an electron, that's just hydrogen. Hmm. So it's just not dangerous anymore, right?
1: What kind of materials could... Could do that though. Like,
0: not, you don't need a lot actually. Like, to block uh, alpha particles, which I'm sorry is a different kind of charged particle, but like your t shirt will do that. So, a thin sheet of aluminum is enough to shield from beta radiation.
1: What was the with, uh, spaceship wrapped in again?
0: Funny you should ask, it was made of aluminum. Oh, cool. <laughs> right. The astronauts are literally carrying a shield with them, they were flying. In a shield, an aluminum capsule. And that would have protected them from the bulk of the radiation that they were flying through. You just don't need that much shielding to protect from charged particles. And you don't have to take my word for it. If you really want to find out, you can go online and buy a Geiger counter. Probably cost you 100 bucks, but, you know... Just hundred bucks, in the name of science, right? And it's cool. Then you have to get a Geiger counter at the end. So Geiger counters <laughs> uh, detect radiation. Okay, it's, you've seen it on movies of things that like they pull it out and it's like clicking, and the, you know you see the needle go up because they're about to die. There is a bunch of clicks. So I am not going to explain how Geiger counters work, but they'll have a detector, and you can often buy shields for your detector. And the point of these shields is to block certain types of radiation. So say you wanted to measure gamma rays, you'd want to block everything else just so you just get the gamma rays, right? So to block uh, alpha particles, which are not the same as the protons, but it's a similar idea because it's a a positively charged particle. So uh, that can be blocked with a piece of paper. Like literally (laughs) anything will block it. Uh, A thin sheet of aluminum, the little cap will just be made of aluminum. To block the gamma rays, you need like lead. So those are much more penetrative. But you just like get a Geiger counter and throw some aluminum foil on it, and it won't detect beta radiation anymore.
1: Is that why when I go to the dentist, they put that big lead thing on my testicles?
0: Exactly. That is a (laughs) lead-filled blanket that is blocking the x-rays, which are not charged particles, so they're much harder to block because it's photons. They go through a lot easier. Yeah. So the charged particles are easily shielded, and they were carrying a shield with them. Now, that's not to say it would block everything. But it would severely cut it down. In addition to shielding, there's two other ways to protect yourself from radiation. There's distance and time. Now, distance doesn't work. Like that's like get away from the source of radiation. But they were like flying through this radiation. Like that that one's done. So they don't have that one available to them. They already had shielding. The other one is time. The less time you're exposed to radiation, the less danger it is. Just like a fire. You know, if you can pass your hand through the flames, and it's fine. The longer you stay in there, the more it's transferred to you. Similar yeah. idea. And so it turns out the rockets, the astronauts were going on, were going really fast. And, <laughs> like uh, they really, really fast. <laughs> like really fast. And these belts were discovered in a known danger to the astronauts. And so the trajectories were plotted specifically to reduce their amount of exposure to these radiation belts. And so they got through the inner belt in a matter of minutes and the outer belt, which is the weaker of the two in like an hour and a half, and so the trajectories, they're not in there very long. They have this shield that, that's blocking out most of it. They just didn't get that much dose.
1: Yeah. They actually tested this on animals before they tested it on humans too. So Right.
0: Yeah. So all of that fits. Now, after they get past these belts, there's more radiation to contend with. Because in just the cosmos, there's cosmic radiation. And that means just like radiation from the universe, right? And these can include charged particles like... We already discussed, but it can also include high energy light like gamma rays. Now, that stuff is way more difficult to shield against because light just goes right through everything, right? So, that's a concern while they're on the moon. They're not in the Van Allen belt anymore, but they are still getting bathed in radiation.
1: And they don't have that Van Allen belt blocking
0: that stuff from getting them, right? Well, they don't have the, the capsule, right? Right. Which wouldn't, that capsule wouldn't stop an X ray anyway, or certainly not a gamma ray. But it's still, so while they are getting a dosage, they're only there for a week, and we don't have to guess about the amount of radiation that's on the moon. We know because we have data from probes we sent. Even if you don't believe the moon landing, China recently sent a probe, and we're going to talk about this more later, so I'm not going to go into all the details there, but they measured the amount of radiation that is on the moon. Uh, they published it in a paper called First Measurements of the radiation dose on the lunar service by Zhang et al. And that was in science advances. And that was actually just published late last year. This isn't the first time we've known about radiation on the moon, obviously, but no. you can read that paper. And with a little bit of math, you can see that the dose for a day's way, uh, the dose for a day's work on the moon is about 1.3 millisieverts. And just for reference, that's about the same as an abdominal X-ray. So it's not nothing, but people don't fall over and die from getting an x-ray, Yeah. right? <laughs>
1: you have x-ray techs who are exposed to that probably more than – Right. Yeah.
0: It's a very small amount of radiation, way less than you'd get just from living on Earth for a year. It's, it, is a, it is a concern. So it's a concern for long-term moon habitation. If you're going to be on the moon for months at a time, then it becomes a, a significant dose. But they were only on the moon – For like a day and the whole mission was like six six like a week okay so not enough radiation to do any real damage
1: i mean those are the main points right there's not that much more that these moon hoaxers have to go off of they have photos video and then some hypothesis about radiation poisoning
0: Right. I've seen a couple other claims, but the big ones, like the ones that everyone was talking about, this is all of them.
1: Yeah. So I guess we have to go back to our original question. Uh, I think we debunked their points, right? But so.
0: so at this point, we've established that the evidence thus far is consistent with us going to the moon. None of, nothing they said would stop us, would, would preclude us having gone to the moon, right? right? So now let's see if we can find, we can do better. Let's see if we can put forth some positive evidence. We talked a lot about photography, so let's talk about photography.
1: Yeah. <laughs> What's crazy is that photography supports the hoaxers It more greatly supports the fact that we actually went to the moon. Okay. Um, There is a really cool site you can go to, uh, nasa.gov. It has, uh, I'll link to it in the description, but it's called Apollo Lunar Surface Journal. And it has all of the photos they took from the entire, all the Apollo missions. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photos. Do you know how likely it would be to fake all of those photos in the 60s, given the technology that they had available to them at the time?
0: Yeah, they took all these photos because they were spending billions of dollars. They're not going to waste a photo out. Right.
1: And they don't know if they're ever going to go back, right? So yeah. they had cameras mounted to the lunar module, like on every corner. I mean, it was like GoPros that you would see today. Like they had them mounted everywhere. Like they had a camera mounted specifically just to capture Neil Armstrong coming down the the ladder of the lunar module because nobody else was going to be on the surface to capture that. So,
0: so they're not going to miss picturing the very first person ever walk on the moon. They're not, you don't, you don't send a huge rocket and spend billions of dollars to get a guy to a moon and not get a picture.
1: And the thing with all these hundreds and almost thousands of photos is they're all consistent with one another. They all, like if you were to line them all up and layer them all, they're all consistent. The, the chances of somebody faking all those is, almost zilch.
0: It, it, w- it would take a lot of work yeah. but it gets it gets worse for the hoax because <laughs> allegedly if we went to the moon we didn't take everything away with us we left trash and st- well not trash we left lunar landers we left rovers we left stuff on the moon right yep and when we left we you know they're taking off so they're like blowing debris and stuff and there's no atmosphere on the moon so that just like stays there like it doesn't go away. There's no like wind softening the surface. Well, yeah, and, and I think the
1: lunar module itself actually detached parts so it had like something to shoot onto to like go right. up, right?
0: So if hypothetically you could go to the moon, you could see the stuff. Now obviously we can't go to the moon, but people have taken pictures of the moon since then. Most of these pictures, like if you just like got a telescope and looked at the moon, you're not going to see it because the resolution of your telescope is not sufficient. Right. Yeah. And like, if you pointed the Hubble at it, that's not going to work because the Hubble is set up to take pictures of things light years away. It's not going to see it, things like, yeah, right it'd be time.
1: like taking your glasses off and trying to look at, you know, right. something
0: on. Yeah. But other people have. So for example, uh, the Japanese Celine mission, they imaged the Apollo 15 landing site that was in 2007 and they confirmed the bright spot left by the lander um, when it landed on the moon. So that is a distinctive feature that's not natural that could only come from uh from a man-made source. The actual mission of that was to map the surface of the moon to better understand how certain surfaces came about. And while they were there, they happened to map the Apollo 15 site. Not happen, I'm sure they did it intentionally, <laughs> yeah. but they 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 mapped the Apollo 15 site and they showed like I saw a picture of the generated map, and then the from the pictures, they are identical. right. They're They're the same, obviously, because it's actually the same stuff, right? (laughs) Then in 2009, uh, the Indian Nation, they sent the Chandrayan, I think it's how you pronounce it, Chandrayan 1. And they also took pictures of the Apollo 15 and 17 landing areas. They saw disturbed surfaces and tracks left by lunar rovers on the surface of Mars. In 2010, the Chinese lunar probe Changi, uh, I'm, I'm butchering that, I'm positive, Changi 2, Took uh, high res pictures of the surface of the moon, and the resolution wasn't enough to see like individual footprints or anything, but they could see traces of the Apollo missions. Yep. And that was confirmed by the chief application scientist for this mission. So that's three different nations the Japanese, the Indians, and the Chinese. Why would those people cover for NASA? Right. Like, especially the Chinese. Especially <laughs> the Chinese, right? Like, do you honestly think that our greatest rival on the planet? if they sent a probe to the moon and they found out we didn't go to the moon and they're going to be like, don't they worry, bro. I got you. I, like,
1: <laughs> I got your balls in a vice here, bro. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So
0: so that there's um, now you can explain that away by saying, Oh, well, maybe they're all in on it, but now your conspiracy has to get that yeah, much bigger. Growing you know?
1: And you have to account for all that stuff. Yeah. If you get a chance, go check out the one specifically from the, the lunar, um, um, What's it called? Probe? The orbiter, the lunar orbiter from the Chinese. The images are stunning. They're beautiful. And it's crazy to see the stuff that was left by. I mean. Really cool. A, yeah.
0: So speaking of stuff we left on the surface, we also left reflective panels on the surface.
1: Yeah. Why would we leave panels on the surface? Well, because where humans go places, they leave trash. You just, that's just what we do, right? Now, <laughs> these panels were specifically used to uh for lasers that we could shoot up to the moon and then have them bounce back. We've actually left um I think it was 12 panels. There's, there's like a total of like 12 or some panels on the moon from like between US and the Soviets uh combined cuz the Soviets shot uh, lunar modules up there rovers that have panels on them too so um
0: so the way this works is you get a laser you shoot it at the moon where the panel should be and it'll reflect off of this highly reflective panel and shoot back and that allows them to do things like test range finders. so if they're like there's a project that the french chinese and russians are working on for to basically get the best laser range finder and the way that they're testing this like competing against each other is by doing a range finding to the moon and seeing who can get the closest range right yeah which wouldn't uh, work if there wasn't reflectors on the moon right
1: because if there wasn't these panels these panels are about the size of like a a fiction book um if there wasn't a panel there and you shot a laser at the moon it would not come back to you right not, so as only, laser not as a
0: cohesive laser. Not
1: as a cohesive laser. And you'd have to have a very powerful laser to get that signal. It takes about now, two and a half seconds for it to make a round trip back and forth. But
0: Now, on that, you can't just go like buy a laser pointer from Walmart and do this. Like We're talking tens of thousands of dollars in equipment <laughs> and also a telescope that can get it. Like This isn't something you just go do. Yeah, but it is something that has been done multiple times, and again, by not Americans, who would have no reason to cover for NASA –
1: Right. So you have Russian, Chinese, and French uh, with a couple other smaller countries, including the Americans, doing this project. Like, you would think if the Russians found out that we didn't leave something up there, they'd be like, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. Like, you know, they'd have more motive than than the Chinese, I would think, too.
0: Especially, even not just now, but at the time. So remember, like we talked about before, this was in the height of the Cold War, right? Yeah. So, and the Russians we trying to go to the moon. They denied it after they failed, but that was found out to be a lie later. So we beat them in this big national public race. If we had lied about it and they had found out, they would have loved nothing more than to be able – If the, even if it wasn't true, if they just thought they could get away with claiming it. Yeah. They would have loved to have done that. So any hoax would have had to have been not sufficient, not just to fool – your average Joe Schmo working at a car washer or whatever, it would have to have fooled all of Russia and their the KGB and their entire intelligence network.
1: Which is really cool. is because in the early 70s, I mean, the Russians sent some probes up in like 70 and 73, uh, some um, lo- rovers with these panels on it. One thing I find fascinating is that in the middle of the Cold War – you had the scientific community sharing information back and forth, right? You had the American scientists and the Russian scientists, and they're sharing this information, which blows my mind actually to think about that, that that would even happen. But so,
0: yeah. So that just kind of raises the bar of any hoax that would have happened. It would have had to have been enough to fool not just gullible Americans, but like actual state who were doing everything they could to watch everything that was happening. Yeah. I mean, and, for example, they built actual rockets. Whether or not you believe they went to the moon, they definitely built a rocket and they definitely <laughs> launched it. Right?
1: There are people down at Cape Canaveral watching this thing take off. You know, it's like right. it's
0: like you can. Ju- they could. Ju- you just go- went and saw it, right? Yeah. So, and Russia obviously could tell that we launched a missile. They have missile detection systems, yeah. right? And so, w- what happened to that rocket? It went somewhere. It, it went somewhere. Where did it go? You know, if <laughs> yeah so all of that well there's one more thing when we i alluded to it earlier even if we didn't go to the moon we the americans in the 60s the the chinese have been to the moon they've sent probes to the moon very recently uh the Chang'e four landed on the moon on the 3rd of january in 2019 unless you think also that the chinese are also faking their moon landings it was not man lander Uh, But the point of this mission was to go there and analyze rocks. Well, one of their many purposes was to analyze the chemical composition of the rocks there. Well, we brought rocks back from the moon and we analyzed them and released the findings. And, you know, moon rocks are very valuable. So either they fake these moon rocks in a lab, right, and they did such a good job that they are indistinguishable from what are definitely actual moon rocks because the Landers on the moon transmitting data back, and they just like nailed it. They completely crushed this moon rocking fake thing. Yeah. Or they look the same because they're the same. Because Because they are the same. Because they're actually from the moon, right? Right.
1: One of those is more probable than the other. So,
0: yes. And finally, um, honestly, I I think you could have just started with this and not listened to this whole podcast. So sorry that you've wasted 40 minutes listening to all this other evidence. (laughs) But there were so many people involved in this project. At one point, I read that there were over 400,000 people being employed in some way related to going to the moon. All of the engineers, all of the scientists, all the people working at factories putting stuff together, right? So, either all of that was faked. There were no actual engineers. They but they they we had these documents, we had these designs. So either you faked all of that. Right. And you faked all of the orders, and you saw, like somehow you got all of these hundreds of thousands of people to be in on it, which then you have now apparently it's been forty years and nobody 50 years actually, nobody has said anything. Nobody. Yep.
1: Think about all the scientists and engineers who are doing actual math, right, to figure out like, oh, we need this much whatever they do because I'm not a mathematician. But they're doing all this math and stuff like they already have it all, all the work done. Like they figured it 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 out.
0: Right. So you have two options. Like either all of these people are in on it, in which case your conspiracy is so huge. There's no way that these people are gonna stay silent. Yeah. So in order to address that, sometimes the people who believe themselves say, well, most of the people weren't in on it. They compartmentalized this. So they didn't know it was just like the, the astronauts and a couple people in mission control, like just a few people knew about how that was fake. Well, that's even worse because like you said, the scientists who are developing the parameters are doing it thinking they're sending someone to the moon and using the best scientific understanding to do that. And the engineers who are designing things to fit those parameters They're designing it to go to the moon because that's what they think they're doing. And then they send it off to a factory and that factory is building it thinking it's going to the moon. So they build it to these parameters. At that point, just go to the moon. It's easier. (laughs) Like why (laughs) fake it? You've already done all the work.
1: At the end of that, you know what you have? You have a spaceship that can fly into the moon, take somebody there and then bring them back. Like Right. Like
0: (laughs) why would you go to all that effort and then not go to the moon? Just go to the moon. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Oh, man. So... It's it's pretty hilarious. I mean, and like you said at the beginning, the the people who actually believe this are very, very small. And I I would imagine that the flat earth overlap here is probably ninety percent. I don't know, but
0: I expect that the Venn diagram of moon hoaxers and flat earthers is just a circle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There might be like a small crescent on the outside or something.
0: (laughs) Probably very, very strongly overlapped. Yeah. So it's pretty obvious. We went to the moon. In case anybody listening was a doubt, <laughs> we definitely went to the moon. But this is the method that you would use to debunk any kind of hoax. Just yeah. build a hypothesis, look at the evidence, see the evidence for and against, and just see which, which is more plausible, which is more likely.
1: Right. Well, I watched a documentary recently, um, the one where we sent that uh, by the botanist, Mark Watney, to Mars. That was pretty convincing. So,
0: yeah. It, the The Martian great, yeah. great, great documentary. Great book, too. If you haven't <laughs> read it. So, uh, fantastic right. book. Anyways, so yeah. that's our show. Uh, I hopefully you learned something. You probably didn't learn that we went to the moon because you probably already believed that. But you know, maybe you learned something about space. And uh, if you just take if you take nothing else away, take away the fact that just because you can explain something, doesn't mean it's true. Like you can come up with some random expl- explanation. You have to have evidence, and yeah. that's what skepticism is all about: believing things for which you have evidence.
1: Yeah, and looking at probabilities. Yeah. Too. So, so,
0: so as always, if you enjoyed this, please let us know. If you think we missed something. You can leave us a comment on Facebook or on Twitter, on YouTube, wherever. Like, comment, subscribe, blah, 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 the usual spiel. uh, Or share it around. It really helps. And if you have a suggestion for what we should tackle, this is evidence. We will get to it. It may be a year later, but we'll get to it.
1: Our success rate of doing videos or doing episodes that people have recommended is 100% right now.
0: Can't beat that. That's empirical data right there. Yeah, so... So, anyways, definitely let us know what you're interested in talking to us next. Coming up on the horizon, we're going to be talking to some individuals. We're going to be talking to a physicist by the name of Jeff Swerink on the multiverse, and that's going to be happening in February. So, I'm pretty excited about that. We're also going to be talking to Reality Insights, which is another engineer from across the pond. He's definitely not in the US because he's five hours <laughs> offset from us. So we're going to be talking to him about evolution versus creation, mainly the intelligent design sort of piece and talking about the design constraints of God and what sort of implications that has on his theology. So I think that'll be a fun conversation.
1: Yep. And then we're also going to be doing a a crossover with the proselytize or apostatize uh, podcast where we uh, do a takeover of their show and we're doing some role reversals. So that will be fun.
0: Yeah, a little bit of role playing, not that mm. kind. Anyway, well, maybe, so, maybe
1: maybe if they're maybe, down, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I
0: don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Basically, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be presenting some theist arguments, what we think the best ones are, and they're going to present the best atheist arguments, and then we'll agree with each other, but we'll switch positions. And <laughs> so next month we'll be Christians. Yeah. You, you never know. So. Yeah. Anyways, hopefully you guys will turn into that. I think it'll be great. But until it happens, remember, you've always got reason to doubt.
1: Peace out.